This episode of On Comedy Writing is brought to you by Saucy. If you're like me, you love to get drunk, but you don't like talking to people, whether that be bartenders, Uber drivers, or general human beings. Well, now you don't have to. Saucy is beer, wine, and spirits ordered online and delivered directly to your door. Alcohol delivery in 30 minutes. Shop with over 1,000 products at great prices. You can order craft beer, wine, and spirits online or download the mobile app for iOS or Android. No delivery fees. No minimums. You know, you, you go to a comedy show, you got two drink minimum. Not in your own house. There's no minimums. There's no maximums either. Drink as much as you like. It's free will. Order the drinks you want, and then they come to your door. Well, what else do you need to know? To get alcohol delivered to your door and to save 10% of your order, go to boardwalkaudio.com saucy. That's boardwalkaudio.com forward slash saucy. S-A-U-C-E-Y. This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. On comedy writing, on comedy writing. Thanks for downloading this episode of On Comedy Writing, the podcast about the business and craft of writing comedy. I'm your host, Alan Johnson, and we've got a great episode. But first, the best way to support this show is by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash oncomedywriting. Click the Support Our Artist button and shop on Amazon like you normally would, and I get a little kickback. Our guest this week is Lauren McGuire, a writer on great shows like Comedy Bang Bang and Erect. Lauren's story of how she got started is really fascinating, especially about taking UCB classes, and I know people are going to really like that. If you like this episode, I recommend checking the ones that we did with other Bang Bang people like Joe Saunders, Caroline Anderson, Nick Weiger, Neil Campbell, and Scott Ackerman, and also our episodes with Anthony King and Chris Kula from Wrecked. So here is Lauren McGuire. Uh, Lauren, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, where are you from originally? I'm from Daytona Beach, Florida. Okay. The butthole of Florida. Oh, is that is that a, <laughs> is that the common term for it? Um, well, it's uh, lovingly referred to as Dirt Tona by the people who live there. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what was that like growing up there? Uh, it's just a really it's a really weird place where there's a lot of different. I don't know how to describe it. It's not exactly a lot of different cultures converging, but it's like you have an equal probability of turning out to be like a polo golf t-shirt wearing douchebag or like a Columbine shooter. Like you don't like, (laughs) it's like, those are the, it's like the polarities are the polarities of the types of people there are enormous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, And it's just a very, um, I mean, Dirk Tona really, is the perfect name for it. It's just a dirty little... It's a dirty <laughs> <Yeah>. place. <laughs> uh, were, were you into comedy back then, growing up? Yeah. Well, I, I watched so much TV. I was very into TV and mm-hmm. escapism. And uh, being an indoor kid. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> watching SNL religiously, those reruns that they would do on Comedy Central of the very old episodes with Trevi Chase. And I've seen every old episode that they've ever oh, aired. Right. Yeah, so I was I'm been super into that. I remember see, uh, like seeing Strangers with Candy and just my jaw dropping at how weird and funny and great it was. And I remember forcing all my friends to watch it, and they were like, "What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> we want to watch Dawson's Creek." And I was like, "But this is better." <laughs> uh, and 
the Upright Citizens Brigade, I, I, I don't remember exactly how old I was when it came out, but I remember seeing that show and being like, this is incredible. Yeah. And I bought, when, when the DVDs came out, I bought the the DVDs for the first and second season, but they didn't have the third season. So I bought like a bootleg copy on eBay. Like I made an eBay account when I was a teenager to buy a bootleg copy, like probably from another country that just looked like somebody had filmed their TV screen. Yeah. While the third season, like they played the whole third season and they had divided up into chapters, but the quality looked like someone had just filmed it on their TV. Uh, Because I was so obsessed with it and I was like, I can't not have, I mean, I need to have the whole collection. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, when once I heard about, like I learned more about the theater, um, and that there was one in New York, and that there was one in LA, I knew that I had to be either at one of those. <laughs> oh wow! So so you so you were really influenced by that show? Yes, hugely. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. That's uh that's interesting. Yeah. What what do you think? What was about it that you really, like really liked about it? Um, I think it was. It was it was the same style as SNL, which I really loved sketches. I loved the style of SNL sketches, but it was so much more irreverent and so much uh, weirder and mm-hmm. more experimental that I just I like I was like this is SNL on some on drugs, and I like mm-hmm. love it so much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just really, you know, they were allowed to have a really unique, weird point of view, which I don't think you're necessarily allowed to have in when you write on SNL. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, so how around about how old were you when you were watching that? I think I was in late middle school, early high school uh-huh. when it came out. So did you start like uh, doing any comedy stuff? Like start performing no, at all? No, I didn't. I was really shy and I still am really shy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I probably should have and I really uh, regret not doing more of that. But I was more trying to focus on art because it, it was like a way to express yourself while also getting to be very quiet, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is what I preferred at the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and even now, I'm not really a good performer, and I recognize that. I think there's a lot of writers out there that don't always recognize that they're, right. they're writers and not performers. Well, I definitely know that I'm not a performer. <laughs> and I think part, part of that is because I didn't really do it in high school. And then the college I went to, I went to a small school in Florida called um, New College of Florida, and it was a great school, weird little hippie school, uh, very difficult academic wise, but not a lot of like, not any really performing arts opportunities. There's, there weren't, wasn't really an art program at all. And there was definitely no like comedy or improv groups whatsoever because mm-hmm. it was so tiny. Right. So, so what, what were you doing in college? I studied, uh, psychology okay. and I studied, um, like all kinds of stuff. I studied animal behavior and cognitive therapy. I studied all like just a range of stuff in, in psychology, uh, which I think has helped me in my writing, and I'm still really interested in that stuff, mm-hmm. like what makes people uh, behave the way they behave. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, it, I think a lot. I think back on it that I, you know, I do feel jealous sometimes when I hear of friends who like have been in, performing improv since college or were writing their first screenplays in college and I'm like oh god if I had started back then I would have I could have gotten an earlier start and I could have been you know I could be cranking out really great stuff by now uh but you just have to accept that that's not your path <laughs> right yeah I mean yeah. everyone has like crazy yeah. paths it doesn't really matter too right. much yeah exactly uh so when you say psychology has helped is just because you like behave behavior of uh, people yeah yeah studying the way people work I, I'm really interested in um 
behavioral disorders. I love reading about narcissism. I love reading about psychopaths, Mm -hmm. uh, people that deviate from the norm. I really enjoy. Yeah. (laughs) And also, you know, people with any kind of neuroses are always fun to write. Your Mm -hmm. classic monk situation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so you, you, so you say psychology, you finish college and then you're just like, uh, I want to go to LA or, or what? Well, I, it's my path there is a little bit tied up with my husband's because we, (laughs) we were together and he was saving up money while we were in Florida and, uh, he was saving up money for college. So by the time I graduated, he had saved up enough money and I was like, I gotta get the hell out of Florida. Let's (laughs) go anywhere else. And so he got, um, uh, an opportunity to go to school for, with a good scholarship in California. And I was like, great, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I can't be here anymore. I got to get out. It's stifling me, the heat and the lack of creative outlets and everything. So, uh, and then I, you know, I had known I was, I worked out here for two years. I went, once I came to LA, I worked here for two years with the idea, this kind of lofty idea that I would go to graduate school. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, but I don't like this. I don't like this anymore. I want to do something else. And also I know that the theater that, that I grew up watching and, mm-hmm. and loving and all the performers that I've always loved, there's the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater is like right here. It's so close, but I was too scared. Uh, it took me two years to work up the courage to take a class there. Wow. So for these two years, you're just try- trying to work uh, with your psychology? or No, I actually ended up just taking a job um, as an aide for a girl with cerebral palsy. If you've oh, okay. seen the show Speechless, you know the show Speechless <laughs> oh, yeah, on ABC? Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's a consultant on that show because oh. it's it's the like letterboard right. that, she, that they use in that show is designed off of her own letterboard. Oh. So uh, she's like... A really big activist in the disabled community and I learned a lot from her she's also a writer too um so just watching her I think she gave me she inspired me a lot to to just like like fuck it why are you living your life in fear just go out and do the thing you're afraid to do mm-hmm. so so for those two years are you uh, even going to the theater at all I mean uh I went to to watch yeah, uh, I went. I definitely went to watch, uh-huh. um, but I didn't. I was just. I was too scared to participate. Mm-hmm. So, what, what was like the moment where you were like, "I'm going to take a class at UCB." I quit my job. Yeah, mm-hmm. I quit my job. I gave her my notice. Uh-huh. Uh, usually, she has AIDS for about one to two years. She she, she doesn't really want a lifetime. You know, somebody that's mm-hmm. going to be with. The, she wants people to cycle through and move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. The mark, the two year mark came up, and I was like, "It's about time I should go, unless I want to be a caregiver for the rest of my life or an aide to disabled people for the rest of my life." So I should move on. And when I did, I was like, "Well, this is what I got to do. <laughs> this yeah. is what, you have to do the thing that scares you the most." And at the time, that was the thing that scared me the most. So did you enroll in a in a sketch class first? Yes, I took um, sketch one hundred and one with Nick Weiger. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared the day of the first class that I sat in, I got there 30 minutes early and just sat in the car and was like, I could go, I could go at any time. I don't have to go in. I don't have to go in. I paid for it. I get my money back. I don't have to go in. And then finally forced myself to get out of the car and go yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he was my first teacher and then I've ended up working with him a bunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I know a lot of people get nervous about uh, doing classes, or just doing like anything performance related in, in general. 
Like, what advice would you give to people like that who are kind of in that same situation? For performance? Or just, like, even For... just, like, going into, like, have social anxiety, like, oh, like going yeah. into a class and stuff like that. Anything that you're afraid of is something that you have to try. Hmm. You have to do it. It's not going to kill you. And once you... I'm in cognitive behavioral therapy now, and it's the exact... It's all the same principle. It's the exact same principle of... You have to do the thing that you're feeling all these feelings of fear about, and then you'll see that you don't die from it, and that it's fine, and that you can keep going, and you can make a mistake, and nothing will happen to you. Mm-hmm. You'll only get better. So my advice is if, you, there's, if you're afraid of public speaking or whatever, then force yourself to do it anyway. Mm, that's great. So your first class with Nick Weiger, uh, how, how was it? Like, Did you immediately, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, I really love doing this? I did. It was hard. And I, but I did really like doing it, and I knew that I was onto something. <laughs> I knew that I was onto something because I felt like, you know, hey, I'm not the worst in the class. I'm not the best in the class, but I'm not the worst. Yeah. My fear was that I was going to be so garbage that they'd throw me out, you know. Like, but that <laughs> didn't happen. So I like this, and I'm going to keep doing it. And I took a second class almost as soon as I finished the first one with Eric Scott, uh, and that one was also great. Um, I'm trying. I remember. Oh yes, and then I met uh, some of the people in that class after the class was over. We just kept meeting. Um, you know, it was other like-minded people that really wanted to continue to do stuff that felt ready to like actually do a show. And so we met and we hired a director and we tried to do our own just like variety sketch show. Which this was a little earlier in the theater when you could just sub like get a slot to do that right, <laughs> yeah, a yeah. show that was just like well we don't have a theme or anything we just want to like try to do a sketch show <laughs> which i now think is like what 301 is right oh yeah i think 301 you it's not yeah it's not you, theme, you just do, sketch like, show. show yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just, we essentially made our own kind of 301 and just did that i see uh and our director for that was greg tukalescu and i think that he you know saw what we did and put in a good word for me when i submitted for mod the next like few months later oh so so like you went from that show into like pretty quickly getting getting on a mod team yeah it was a few months before the mod Mm -hmm. audition so then i i submitted some of this uh, i by that time i had written a ton of sketches with this group Mm -hmm. uh and so i don't even think any of the sketches i wrote in the classes were in my packet at that point i had Mm. enough material to choose from otherwise which is another thing i would suggest if you're if you want to try out for a mod, you know, don't necessarily... You can put some of the stuff in from your classes if you think it's your best, but it, hopefully after you got out of class, you'll, you'll have been writing regularly and you'll have other, like, lots of material to choose from. Right. And uh, that was through Mod Team New Money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what was that like, like, going in to, like, now you've... You're going to, like, a kind of a more serious... Like, it's a more serious... Like, an upper level of, like, sketch, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you're working with a bunch of people who you kind of probably don't know that well. No, I didn't know anybody. Yeah, so what was that like? Oh, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love working with people, uh, and I love meeting people. I, I love working on a team, and I like working on a team in a writer's room, and I like working on a team in a sketch. It only makes... It's only going to make your stuff better to have other people chiming in about it. Mm. And then you... If you had just have to have, like, the keen eye to know what to put in and what to not put in, but... Mm. Um, you know, it's fun to help other people with their stuff, and it's fun to improve on other people's ideas, and it's great when someone else has a joke pitch for you. It's, I just love the whole process of collaboration. Mm-hmm. So the whole experience to me was great. I think the people that don't have a great time doing it are the ones that are a little bit more precious about their writing. They don't want to change stuff. 
Uh, but if you're open to suggestions and learning and helping other people, then you're going to have a great time. Mm. When you guys started doing shows, did you find that you guys were clicking pretty quickly? Or did you find like, oh, this show didn't really go that well? And then I think we quick clicked pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we kept, you know, we we lost Noel pretty soon. We lost Powell Downs pretty soon. Like we had them, I think, for a, a full year. But then, um, you know, they went off to go do incredible stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, you know, we did. We changed a little bit over time in terms of, um, like, we got new actors who came in, and we got a one writer left, and we got a new writer. Uh, but overall, we pretty much kind of stayed. We stayed weird. <laughs> uh, and you later directed sketch teams. Yes. Yeah. What was that like? That was a l- harder than I anticipated. Mm. Um, I enjoyed it, but I. Uh, it, it's just it's a lot of work it's a lot, it's a lot more work than I anticipated and it's a lot more work than like I think um, if you're like an improv coach because oh, yeah. like there's just a lot of like making sure every actor gets a good part that they feel good about that month and also making sure the writers get enough material in and you know I don't know it's it I definitely prefer writing yeah <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so yeah. What was like your process when you're deci- when you're directing? Like, were you thinking you were you? So I guess you had to do a lot of like that sort of uh, social stuff in it, like making sure everyone was happy rather than just the yeah, material. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish, uh, you know, if I do it again, I'll worry less about that, mm. and I'll worry more about just doing the best possible show. Because um, uh, it happens sometimes that just like someone didn't, you know, the the funniest stuff. Maybe there's two sketches by one person, and they're both funnier than someone else's or whatever but the your job as a director is to make the best show not to make your writers and actors happy so Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i think you can do both and i've i've had directors that are so great and have taught me a lot um but it's yeah it's it's hard to sit in the driver's seat sometimes when um you're used to being the one taking direction hmm uh when you're when you're looking at a sketch that you're going to direct what do you like look for in the sketch um, what do I look for? I mean, I just look if people think it's funny. I look yeah. for, I, I really like it when, when writers will write for a specific actor. So that's always something that'll strike my interest. Like I'm going to be more interested in that probably than like someone's Star Wars premise sketch, mm. you know? Um, <laughs> uh, and personally, I, I like big character stuff, um, more so than, uh, pop culture kind of. I don't know. I see a lot of like pitches about Marvel movies or whatever, but those are just, they're going to age so fast. I just want to see, you know, like I want to see other stuff. Mm. I prefer to see other stuff. Did you learn more about sketch writing from directing? Um, yeah, I definitely did. And it's easier to see, um, when you're looking at your own work, it's harder to see what's good and what's bad about it. But when you're looking at other people's work, it's a lot easier Mm. because you're, it's not precious to you. You know, it's not like I, it's not your baby. So it's much easier to be like, oh, cut this, 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 move this here. Ta-da. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's also, you know, there's all kinds of unforeseen stuff. Like with one of the groups that I directed, uh, one of their actors was having a really hard time. And that was just like, that was some unforeseen circumstances that kind of made the whole, um, the general tone of the group kind of go down and like sort of made them what's the right term for this but like 
it just brought the the like fun energy sucked some of the fun energy out of it because they were all very worried about someone you know like there's also group dynamic stuff like that that you can't control right uh so you you wrote sketches for the radio show Wits. Oh yeah! Oh my yeah. gosh! Uh, how did that you come really out? went. You dug deep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was super fun. I did that with my one of my close friends, Allison Augusti. Uh, we wrote it together. It was really uh, rewarding to be able to hear like that was the first time I'd ever heard like a celebrity yeah, yeah. do a sketch that I, that I wrote which felt it feels good it feels good and you can hear a whole audience room full of people laughing and also you're not because it's a radio show you're not bound by any constraints of like physics right. <laughs> you know if you want to if you want Kristen Shaw to play a baby butterfly you can just write her as one. You don't have to worry <laughs> about costumes or anything. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, so that was really fun and a really cool experience. Uh, how did you get that job? Um, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, the creator, John Moe, reached out to Allison Augusti via her Twitter. And she asked me if I wanted to partner with her. And I was like, great. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. so we would just get together once a week and come up with pitches for whatever celebrities and then he would pick one or two and we would write them what was that like uh difficult writing remotely or did you like prefer it um it it was it it felt fine um most of the notes that we would get would be would just be like the same notes that you get at mod which is like why is this five pages (laughs) (laughs) yeah same kind of stuff uh what makes a, a good sketch for radio um, something where they get to, the actor gets to play something that they couldn't in real life. Interesting, okay. So I, we've ha- we did have Kristen Shaw play a hamster that did a pr- prison break. We had, um, oh gosh, I wish I could remember. This was so long ago. Uh, I, Maria Bamford played a... God, like a fairy godmother or okay. some, some, some kind of mythical creature beast <laughs> mm-hmm. a wicked witch maybe i can't i can't even remember it was so long ago <laughs> but getting to i think get using the radio format to your advantage and making it real like letting um your actors get to play something that they're they couldn't possibly play in any other setting did you use any uh existing sketches that you had written before or was it all new material oh yeah you know what i think i did one um, it had something to do with it. Oh, it was Paul F. Tompkins, and he was playing the captain of a cruise ship that, because it was out on on uh, in open water, he thought that it, there were no laws. Okay, <laughs> that that's was funny. the premise of it. Um, <laughs> and that was one. I don't think I had ever done it for Mod, but I had written it for Mod, and it just never got in. And when I pitched it, he was like, "No, it sounds good." I was like, "Great, I already have it written." Yeah. <laughs> uh... And then you worked on Connie Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you get hired for that show? So Neil Campbell uh, was the head writer and executive producer on that show, and he was the person that first put me on a, on a mod team. Um, so I've no, I've known him since then, and I know that they had a writer, um, Eva Anderson was like it's all basically that writers room was all the birthday boys plus Neil, and uh, and their female writer was Eva Anderson and when she left to go to uh, You're the Worst there was kind of an opening that I think they didn't want to fill with another white guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she, it could have 
it might have been that she recommended me. It might have been that Neil recommended me. I'm not really sure, mm-hmm. but I'll never forget. I'll, I'll, I'll never. I still have the voicemail that Neil left me when I got on a mod team, and I still have the voicemail he left me when uh, I got when he asked me to come into Bang Bang. I saved. <laughs> that's great. Uh, now you started as a creative consultant. Is that right? Yes. Oh, yeah. So the way that Bang Bang works is it was broken up into. Um, a section where they do the bulk of the writing. That's where they do like the weird premise part of the show where it's like, we're going to do a Batman parody or whatever. And they'll write the majority of it. And that's actual writer's period. And then they'll have, once they figure out who, what celebrity is going to do that episode, they bring in consultants to write material specific to that celebrity. So that's like the interview questions, the, you know, dumb little bits that we'll do that are specific to whoever the guest is. They'll have, a lot of times it ends up being the same people, um, but they'll, they'll take a chance on newer people, um, uh, for the consulting part. Okay. So I, Eva was leaving during that consulting period. And so I came in and took her spot and we, uh, trying to remember who the first celebrity was. It was, um, um, Ron Swanson. Um, oh, Nick Offerman? Nick Offerman. Yeah. yeah, he was the first, my first day. I didn't get to write anything for him because it was my first day. Uh, <laughs> but okay. he was, I was like so starstruck when I saw him. Yeah. <laughs> and he came up to me and he said, I look like Lena Dunham. And I was like, I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when you're thinking of like the stuff to write for the celebrities, like mm-hmm. what, how do you like go about doing that? Mostly we get on Wikipedia and look up stuff about their life. (laughs) And usually it it comes from some, we'll look up like their birthday or we'll, you know, it's mostly bad, dumb (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Uh, But it's really fun. Or, you know, I would just think about what on talk shows they always do. Like they'll do those things with like, what's in her purse? You know, like just those kinds of things, those little segments. And I'll try to come up with something that's like a little weird little take on that. Mm -hmm. So when when you started as one of the consultants, did you have any idea that you would be a writer the next? No, no, I didn't. Um, But I knew that Neil was gonna, Neil told me that he was gonna let me like submit for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and it worked out perfectly because they, that was when the birthday boys show got picked up. And so a bunch of their writers were going to be all their, basically their whole writer's room was gone. They, um, weren't, and then also love got picked up with Paul, um, uh, with Paul Rust Mm -hmm. and he was gone. So it, we had a lot of new people that for that room. Mm. Did you, uh, you submitted a packet. Mm -hmm. Yep. What kind of sketches were they? I think they were just, you know, sketches from my mod uh, team. And then it was also, a, we w- uh, it also required that we, you know, pitched ideas for episodes. Uh, I can't, I honestly can't remember yeah. back to what, yeah. <laughs> what they were, but I'm sure they were some kind of movie or TV parodies mm-hmm. of some sort. Was it, uh, was it weird? Was it difficult going into like an existing room or was it better because there was turnover, like you said, and then you, you kind of knew everybody already? It, it was difficult because, uh, because the show was created kind of like by, or, or at least written by the birthday boys and Scott Ackerman had a really close relationship with the birthday boys and, and some of the people from a kiss from daddy too, but they all grew up at the same time in the theater. A lot of them went to college together. They have very similar sensibility. And so I did, when I came in, 
it was hard for me to write to that because I think that was they wanted to keep the tone of the show the same, but it isn't necessarily how I write. So, you know, it took a while to find the right balance. I felt like I was really, really good at the shorter stuff like the celebrity bits and and that kind of stuff. But the the longer sketches, it took me a while to figure out what the hell... <laughs> yeah, how to how to kind of match the voice of the show for that? Well, how, and that, how did you think you did that? Like, how do you think you did that? Matching that? I think part of it was uh, letting go a little bit of the idea that it had to match exactly, mm-hmm. and just writing what I what I thought was funny, but also pitching ideas that I knew that at least Scott would be interested in. Because yeah. mostly, when for Maude and stuff like that, I'll, I write like I'll write character bits. I don't write that much premise stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, on that show, they do a lot of, like, home improvement parody show or, you know, a fake movie trailer, stuff like that, which is not necessarily what I'm used to writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think by the end, I just sort of was like, I'm just going to write what I write and hopefully someone yeah. will like it. <laughs> and, and this was your first uh, television job, so is that, like, a crazy transition, too? Yeah, I feel like I was eased into it pretty well, mm-hmm. especially because we did, I did the consulting first. So I kind of got a feel for that and how, like how I saw how the show worked and right. was filmed before I was in the room. Right. Yeah. That actually probably made it a lot easier mm-hmm. in retrospect. Uh, what was like an average day at the writer's room like? Oh, you know, we get there <laughs> at 10, we fuck around for a while, we eat some snacks, we take a lot trot, which is when you trot around the lot. Um, <laughs> we play a couple games, <laughs> and then we settle in and we'll pitch some ideas around. Uh, usually, like, with when the celebrities come on, it's like, we'll write up on the board what celebrities we're getting what days, and so we'll have a priority of, like, we need... 10 ideas for Alison Brie today and so that'll be kind of our what our work is that day mm. I probably I think I've had a couple Tony Bingman writers on uh, and they I think they they always talk about how when the guests canceled it sucks they oh had all this material God, yeah. yeah it does we've only had a couple well I, I mean I've only been there when a couple guests canceled there was <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say the names it was Macklemore twice yeah I knew that yeah I heard that and it was um, Weezer which Weezer, I was yeah. so disappointed <laughs> by and can you even imagine how disappointed the birthday boys were about Oh, are they Weezer. big Weezer guys? Oh, yeah. They're big Weezer guys. <laughs> and so am I. That was like, that was the first concert I ever saw. I was so excited. Do you remember a bit that you had written for those guys? Uh, yeah. We had, we had the half Japanese girl come out and yell okay. at them. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> funny. Um, oh, my gosh. I wish I, I wish I had my computer on me. I would pull them up. We had a lot of really good ideas yeah. for them. Uh, so... When you how how would you pitch like the episode themes versus the bits? I guess it's kind of uh, ingrained in it where the consultants would do a lot of more of the bits. But yeah, like when you were thinking of like because you can't. I guess you wouldn't just say oh a home improvement parody. You'd have to add like a way more to that, right? Yeah, uh, for those ones, it would kind of it would be like I don't even know. I don't know how Nick Weiger's the one that came up with the infamous. Um, uh, is this a man's is oh, it a man's cave or a, a man's, man's grave? grave? Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes, <laughs> honestly, the ideas would would come from like a dumb saying like that. Yeah. And we'd build a whole sketch around it. And we also had an exercise where we would go into a closet and then pop out of the closet and say the first thing that we thought, and then we'd check, like <laughs> the challenge would be to think of a sketch based on that. <laughs> um, Did anything great come out of that challenge? Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I, 
there was one it never got in but it was called um compliments to the chef and it the idea of it was it was a reality show about who could compliment the chefs chef. better <laughs> that's really funny it never got in but it was oh, really really good wow that's great uh when you guys knew the show was ending uh how would you start like pitching or brainstorming ideas or did someone already have one and like you guys just started working on it you mean for the for the full episodes? Yeah, or I just mean for the I mean for like the series finale. Oh, I think I think Neil and Scott had already kind of known what they wanted to do. They wanted uh, for that last episode for a while. Yeah, because they wanted to tie in the timekeeper mm-hmm. stuff as as like a third beat in a sort of three episode arc. Um, so they kind of knew what they wanted to do with that. Uh, and since the show isn't really beholden to anything, doesn't really have any huge plot points, right. we didn't really... We weren't doing like a whole series long arc or anything. We just kind of were like, let's keep doing what we're doing. And yeah, then yeah, we'll yeah. have like two kind of ending episodes. Uh, and through kind of England gets around the Emmys. That was so fun. I was just thinking about that today because I was like, I wonder if Andy Samberg's hosting again, which I don't think he is. Yeah. Uh, um, how, how How was that? That was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was so fun. And it was, you know, it was just the Bang Bang Writers Room. That was it. And Andy Sandberg is like one of the nicest, most thoughtful, hardworking people I've ever met. Yeah. And he just really wanted it to be good. And he was so receptive to our ideas. And he worked so hard. He worked so hard on that song, the opening song. It was just great. That's it a great song. It was so yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and I was just blown away. Like they all, all the. Um, Lonely Island like worked on that song and it turned out so much so much better than I could even imagine. I yeah. thought it was great. So uh, almost like none of you had any experience like writing award shows, right? No, not really. So what did you when you started working <laughs> did you know how it was going to work or did you have any idea? <laughs> not really. Uh, we approached it a lot in the same way that we approach um, when we have celebrity guests on which are like <laughs> wikipediaing dumb Things <laughs> like yeah. we uh, kind of you know we did a little bit of like let's think about the news or whatever, come up with some jokes about the news, but mostly we tried to focus on making jokes about whatever TV shows were nominated, uh, which is very easy. It was what we were used to anyway. Like mm-hmm. when guests come on, we constantly make fun of whatever TV shows they've been right, on. Right. So. Uh, so obviously the writers start working on the show like like months in advance, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So are you working more on like pitching like segments or just like or not seg like host bits or just like jokes? I think uh, it, early on it's more bits. Yeah. We pitch tons of bits that don't get on, yeah. and um, you know tons of different musical ideas besides the one that made it on. Oh yeah, that um, makes sense. You know, in case you know he changed your mind or also you want to have backups just in case like there's some weird tragedy that happened and you know like you never know what's going to happen in the news so Mm -hmm. you just have to like have backups for things uh and then once it got closer that's when we honed in on the jokes and we all tried to write you know like a certain amount of jokes per day yeah would would you go for like writing uh a lot of jokes or would you write fewer jokes and really concentrate on them and try to make them like really great um i think it's probably a combination of both and once we got the names of who was presenting, because like part of the thing is the host has to present the presenter. So it would be like, and now here's Lady Gaga to present oh, yeah, this yeah. Or whatever award. So instead of just saying that, you could 
like think of a funny way to introduce a person. So mm-hmm. once we got the names of the people, then we would all it would be like we would just look down the list and you know try to come up with ten jokes per person per day or whatever it was. And um, I don't know. Sometimes I think the dumbest stuff is what works best. So I really didn't try to overthink it too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, did, you, did you have any like favorite jokes that got on? Yeah, I did. Um, uh, the joke that I wrote that I was most proud of was about uh, Paula Dean. Let me see if I can remember it. <laughs> it, was, um, it was when that lady was refusing to marry uh, gay couples. Um, I don't. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. But I was really proud that it got on because it was yeah. the one. It, that joke ended up getting quoted a bunch, and I was like, "Ah, oh, that's my joke." <laughs> Uh, after writing on a word show, uh, like what advice would you give to someone doing that now, having that experience? Oh, what advice would I give to them? Um, just do it. Just keep doing as many jokes as possible. Cause like, don't settle, don't settle for the first joke you think of. Cause there's, there's so many good jokes that came right. out of like 10 days worth of trying to make a joke for Lady Gaga. And then finally you land on one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the whole I I don't know what other advice to give because I feel like if you're at that point where you're gonna get to do that, it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> if you, uh, I guess I should say it with the caveat of if you have a good host who's re- who like like Andy Samberg was the best possible host. He wasn't at no point was he ever like taking a stress out on anyone. He just he was really receptive to ideas. Uh, and so it's it that made our jobs really easy. Yeah. If you have somebody that's like yelling at you or something, then I'm sure it's a whole different right. story. So, <laughs> how involved was he like in the writers' room? Was he like very? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was there like, uh, and he would like approve jokes or like. Yeah, he was there almost every day. Oh wow. Yeah. That seems like it's probably not uh, how it usually goes. Probably not. No, yeah. I think that's that's why it turned out really well and it was so weird watching on twitter as it was going and people were like he's bombing and i was like are you insane yeah he's not but like (laughs) i thought the whole thing was so good and but the reaction uh, seeing the reaction live on twitter is is tough because you're like you're they're getting a different perspective of it than you are because we were backstage where all the shit's happening Uh yeah it's very crazy it's also crazy that it's like comedy bang bang style jokes on like the biggest tv event and also was very, um, I, just so much anxiety knowing that like we've worked for three months and now he's out there right now saying the jokes that we wrote and like we want him to succeed so badly. We want him to, we want him to be killing it mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do because you're just like, you've, you're all the control is gone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you're yeah. just like waiting backstage, looking at the monitor. <laughs> uh, and so then you were on a party over here. Yes. What, what was, uh, how'd you get hired for that? So that was um, Nick Wagger, my first ever teacher from um, from UCB. He was the head writer in that room and got to put together people. And I had also two of the two of the main stars on that show, uh, Nicole Byer and Jessica McKenna, were both on my mod team. So I have been writing for them for at that point for three and a half years. Wow! So I already had material for them. I already knew how to write for them. I know what they the kind of stuff they like to act in. It was a really good fit. Well, uh, so when you were writing sketches, you would think, uh, "Oh, this is something that Nicole would kill in or Jessica." Yeah. And you, so you're thinking that more than this is like a good evergreen sketch that could Definitely. work with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. 
It's pro- you think that's like the probably the the right way to go. Well, I don't know because that show didn't get picked up. <laughs> but uh, I think they didn't get picked up for other reasons. I think they were a little confused about. I think the the executives might have been a little confused about what they wanted in that show. Yeah. What do you, what wrote, do you mean by that? Well, we wrote hundreds of sketches. I can't even. I don't. We wrote so many sketches for that show, and kind of the whole prem part of the reason that show got sold and sort of the premise of the show was that a lot of the sketches would be live on stage. And part of the reason for that is because it's very cheap. Um, and so they they wanted to, to, to be like, it's like Amy Schumer, but instead of doing stand-up, it would be like she's doing a full sketch on stage. Which, uh, it, that's fine. And we were, were happy to write uh, sketches for on stage. But um, then when they saw it, they were like, we need more. They, they, I don't think they responded well to, to watching sketches on stage in front of an audience. Like, I see. I, I, and... It makes sense because you, you don't feel like you're part of the audience. You know, you don't when you're you're two steps away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they wanted to add. They were like, well, we need to add, we need to add more video content instead. We need to put more video sketches up. And we're like, well, you only give us a certain amount of money for the, this yeah, many sketches. Yeah. We don't have any more sketches. Uh, so that's where, you know, I think it was experimental in that way. They didn't quite know until they saw it that they didn't really like the format. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, aside from that, how is like the room different from Comedy Bang Bang? More women. <laughs> yeah, 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 more women. Yeah. <laughs> it was me and Yamar Taylor and um, Heather Campbell, and they were it, that was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it was really fantastic, and also and, and not to uh, I, I'm also going to mention Ryan Perez and Nick Wire, who both contributed like really, really great stuff. Yeah. But I was, was happy to be in a room where I wasn't the only girl. Yeah, is it difficult being the only woman in a room? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, uh, and for some of Bang Bang, there was another female writer in there for a while, um, which was really nice. But uh, it's easy to, it's easier to get talked over. As we t- were talking about before this interview started, I, am gen- I was talking about how I'm generally a quiet person, uh. and sometimes <laughs> the microphone won't pick me up. Well, like, people don't hear me all the time. Mm. Um, so... And it's also just nice to be able to shoot the shit with some ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so after doing Mod Night for a while and then doing this, what do you think is like the difference between a good sketch for stage versus television? Ooh, that's good. Um, I think with sketch you can really sit in moments a little more than on video. Mm. In video, things need to be cut, 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 cut fast. That's why I think you know, fake trailers and, and, uh, show parodies and stuff like that do work a lot better on TV. Um, and character stuff I think works better on stage. So not to say that you can't do character stuff, um, uh, you know, on TV and have it be funny. There's plenty, I'm seeing plenty of Keen Peele character bits that are really great. Um, I just think it's a little harder and people like what they're familiar with. So that's why I think fake trailers and and stuff like that do better on video. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, go do whatever you're do whatever you feel. <laughs> <laughs> I would never discourage someone from doing a big long character bit on TV yeah. if they want to. <laughs> uh, when you guys were working on the show, did you did you know it was going to get uh, get canceled, going to end? No, we had no idea. Yeah. In fact, we I mean. The whole the the filming process of it was so nuts. Like I I feel for those the girls that were acting because they had to do two different shows in a night. 
which meant oh, that wow. they had to memorize probably like two completely different shows every single night Jeez. for for I think two weeks or something like that. Um, so they were just in a constant state of memorizing all the time, uh, and. Oh, I got lost. What was the question? I got... uh, if you knew it was oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. So the whole, um, the energy of it was very like, boom, 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 let's go, let's go. So I didn't even have time to think about like, would this get renewed again? And in fact, the energy was so high that I was like, of course it'll get renewed. Like <laughs> we're doing so great. And it's a live audience and the live audience really liked everything. Um, and they were eating it up. So it felt in the room like, oh, yeah, this is going to do great. But then I guess it just didn't necessarily translate to TV. How long was it from when you'd write the sketch to they would be performing it? Oh, we had a long we had a long time. So, yeah. So I guess, does that make things difficult that you can't do topical stuff at all, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was pretty much no topical stuff. Although I don't know that that was really anybody's forte mm-hmm. in the room. Yeah. Uh, and so now you're a writer on Wrecked. Yeah. How, how'd you get hired for that? Okay, so I all this time that I had been working, I didn't have a half-hour pilot by myself. Oh, okay. I had had one that I had written with a partner, but I needed one by myself. And it caused me so much anxiety because <laughs> I like working with people. I, and I had been working with people for a long time and bouncing ideas off each other and seeing what's good and what's not good and getting feedback. So going and writing a pilot by myself was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. At least the first writing the first one was. Um, and I ended up taking Ben Axelrad's class, his pilot writing class, and I agonized <laughs> over it. I felt like I was, it was back to the very first class I went to at UCB where I was like terrified that I wasn't doing it right. And here I was with all this experience writing on TV shows yet. Well, I don't even know if I'm writing a good pilot or not. Uh, so I'll just say this, that feeling like does, it doesn't really go away. <laughs> yeah. And so if you're a writer out there, just get used to that feeling and live in it because it's always going to be there. I'm writing another pilot now and I'm going through the same stuff again. So you just got to push through it. But I did push through it, and I ended up with a pilot that um, I, the, day, the very last day of the class is the day that I, that I got asked to send in a sample for Rekt. That's the sample I sent in, and then I found it a few days later. I had a meeting with them, and then I got it. Wow. So was it like a first draft, basically? Was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was that kind of nerve-wracking? That like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's nerve-wracking now because I go on meetings based off of that pilot, and it's still like I haven't really worked on it that much more, uh, and it still gives me so much anxiety that somebody read, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> read yeah. that. They're like, and want to talk to me about it. And I'm like, can't we talk about something else? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this is your first sitcom job. So how yeah. how has that been a, the, different from everything else? It's so fun. Yeah, it's serialized, so I really like that. Um, I really like that the show can go in any direction, uh, and that you're not sort of beholden to like that um, plain sitcom sort of um, format. Like you know, you can end in cliffhangers and all kinds of stuff. And it's it's really really fun. It's so fun, and I want to keep doing it forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you, you're now you're working with like emotional arcs and, and narrative, and that's yeah. something you like you really enjoy exactly. doing. Exactly. And also the characters on there were already established when I came in, and they're all you know they're big characters, which is perfect mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And my pilot reflects that too. I mm-hmm. in my pilot I write big characters because why not? 
Yeah. <laughs> so so you, you, you got in the second season, right? Yes. So how was it like joining another like, kind of established room? So pretty much um, most of the people were new in there. Not most, but uh, the room's really small. It's only six people. Mm-hmm. So the two brothers that created the show, Justin and Jordan Shipley, the head writer. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's seven people. The the he- person that was leading the room is Anthony King, who's the uh, theater director in New York or was the UCB theater director in New York for a while. Uh, Chris Kula. And then there were so those were the people that were on season one and then three new people, including myself. Oh, OK. Um, so it it felt, and they they were all you know like, so that's Celeste Ballard and Sean Diston, and they're both UCB New York people, but everybody got along great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's like a normal day like at Rect? Oh boy, we get in at ten. We shoot the <laughs> shit about Westworld. Did everybody watch Westworld? Let's pick it apart. Why does it suck? When we talk about whatever show that day for about a good thirty minutes before we get into like, okay, now it's time to figure out what we're gonna do with episode two. Uh, but yeah, basically the first couple of weeks you're just figuring out a general season arc, and then you start you start to get into detail on each individual episode. Mm. Uh, but it changes so much over the course of the of the time you're there. Oh, from like when you like yeah, first when you say... first conceive of the like, well, we're gonna you know the hurricane's gonna come or whatever, uh-huh. and then you might end up completely throwing that out by the end of the. Even though in the beginning you think that's gonna be a huge plot point, but it's like never mind, that doesn't work. Let's do something else. Uh, but we come up with kind of with uh, whatever character arcs we want to include in that season like for example if we want like a romance between them or a breakup between them like we'll figure out how to seed that in first and like you know this episode is going to follow their story and so on uh and then big arc stuff and then they uh tbs always wants the little you know little island story ideas of like they missed what happens on game of thrones so they all want to know what happens you know like little (laughs) oh i see yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The little stories that don't aren't going to play into um, the next episode. I see, yeah, yeah. Little closed stories. Mm-hmm. Do, do you find it difficult writing for, like, a closed, like, setting? Or do you, like, like doing that? I like doing it. Yeah. Does that make things, like, easier almost? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Um, I like having parameters. I've always liked it. And I think you have parameters when you write live sketch comedy all the time. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. used to it. Uh, so what would you like to do next uh, after... <sighs> well, I want to keep... Uh, writing on these kind of serialized shows as much as I can and getting as good as I can because my my eventual goal is to like write my own show sell yeah. my own show but I want more experience doing this I don't feel ready <laughs> <laughs> I mean maybe you never feel ready but um, and maybe that's part of it but I want that I want to feel I want to like get confident and good and be not have terrible anxiety every time I heard a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get to that point. Mm. And uh, what advice would you give to like expire, aspiring writers out there? Um, well, as soon as you finish your first pilot, start on your next. Yeah. <laughs> and keep doing that until you have a pilot that you don't feel like you want to barf when you <laughs> when you're writing it. Yeah. Um, once you can get to a place where you can crank them out you can execute a good an idea really well um you are so far ahead of everybody else (laughs) already (laughs) at that point i've been thinking about like about when you're writing a pilot are you when you write a pilot and you're obviously you're writing it as a sample mostly yes are you thinking like 
uh, oh, I need to write like something that I know can, can go for like two or three seasons? Or are you just thinking like I'm writing like an interesting kind of beginning of like a story? Uh, I don't think I try not to think out the um, seasonal arcs too much, at least f- for now. I'm yeah. not. Um, I, I know what the like if I was pitching it, I would have an, a general idea of what would what the what an episode would be, and then maybe what like a season arc would be. Mm-hmm. But I try not to. Th- I don't plan out too much. I think it's uh, a little bit of for a sample. I think it's still, you don't need to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. Just make a fun thing that draws people in. And have you know, like, show me your voice. That's that's what everybody wants to see. Okay, so we're gonna wrap up. Great. With you giving your thoughts, something I wrote. Uh, this is a sketch idea. I want to say I'm gonna peel back the curtain. <laughs> I've recorded uh, four episodes this week, uh-huh. so I'm like at the bare bones of my ideas. Great. So this is barely a thing, but here we go. Okay. I'm giving you notes on this pitch. Yeah, or yeah, you can just. It's not. This isn't even going to be your real pitch. It's just like I'm. A, yeah, you're just telling me what you okay. think about. The, yeah. Okay. Great. So uh, it'd be an animated thing, mm-hmm. and it would be a, like a, a parody of uh, Mash combined with the Monster Mash. Okay. So <laughs> with with the song and the television show, so. It would have... I'm having... That's pretty much all I have. Okay. And I'm having difficulty figuring out what more would be there. Okay. Which means it's probably not a great idea, but... First of all, let me say, have you heard the monster fuck mash? I have heard the monster (laughs) fuck. Yeah, it's it's great. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, it's the greatest thing. Um, So... Wait, okay, hold on. It's animated or it's like or like you are making the characters from the show look like they are singing the mash? No, it's not even... It's animated. It's going to be... It's an animated idea. Uh, and I, I, I think my big drawback is the big thing that's really stopping me. This is almost embarrassing that I'm talking about this idea <laughs> is that there's the monster mash song, which uh-huh. is iconic. Then there's the mash theme song, which is also iconic. Uh-huh. And that's really been put, that's like square one. I'm like, how do I combine those two in well, the I same idea? I think you gotta drop the, it's gotta just be full monster mash song, right? Yeah, so that's probably where the idea is, right? Yeah, I think it's full Monster Mash song, but uh, I'm trying to wrap my. I'm trying to visualize it. <laughs> uh, so I used to be like Frankenstein as Hawkeye. Is like oh, something. Okay, so you'd you'd have Dracula yeah. as one of the characters from That's Mash. what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and do the song lyrics are they going to reflect Mash the show? That's what I'm thinking. They should. Yes. Yeah, they definitely should. Yes. Okay, I'm honestly surprised that this doesn't already exist. I googled it because I was like, "This yeah. is too easy," and there's nothing like really? it. Yeah, so I think this is a, this is something that <laughs> the problem is. I know it's probably something that's like sell or marketable as an idea. Yes, but it's not. It's I definitely just, a view getter because I feel like it's uh, people like both of those things. Yeah, uh, I just don't <laughs> have it at all. <laughs> is the problem? Start with some lyrics. Yeah, I guess that's. I guess that's what I need to do is just do like a monster mash parody as the lyrics, yeah. and then just figure out the I visuals mean, from there. Yeah, uh, style it after like style it after the best. Weiger himself. Yeah, the monster changed, fuck. changed the lyrics of Monster Mash <laughs> to be Monster Fuck. Yeah, and it'll never not be funny. I know it's so great. So I'd say go, start with the changing the lyrics to be monster specific. Okay. Yeah, that's probably that'll lead to everything else probably. Yeah, and then you can don't worry about the visuals until after. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah. 
All right. <laughs> cool. All right. I don't feel so bad about this pitch anymore. <laughs> Uh, cool. All right. Uh, thanks for coming out. Do you have oh, anything you, you anything you want to plug? Rex? Oh yeah, on? watch Rex on Tuesday at ten thirty p.m. <laughs> My episode's episode number eight. Okay. Cool. All right. Awesome. But also watch all the other ones because yeah. they're all really funny. <laughs> all right. Great. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of On Comedy Writing. I want to thank Nick Doss for supplying the sweet tunes. Zachary Glassman for giving us the awesome logo, and Boardwalk Audio for hosting us. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, and like and follow on Comedy Writing on Facebook and Twitter. See you next week! Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit boardwalkaudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.